Welcome to the Unnamed Murder Podcast. Murder Podcast. So, glad to see you guys back for part two of the Elizabeth Bathory series. That's not correct. No, yeah, it is. It's, it's, well, the whole series is obviously historical serial killers. Yeah. The Elizabeth Bathory extravaganza. A mini-series. Within a series. The two-parter episode, I don't know. Seriesception. Yes. Anyway, how are you? Oh, good, yeah. good, yeah. How's the week been? Oh, perfect. Good okay, good to you guys. Yeah, that was positive. So, I do have a little quizlet for you, Ellie. Oh, yay. Which I literally looked up on my phone two seconds before recording. But they don't need to know that. No, they don't need to know that. No, it's fine. <laughs> okay, so, which serial killer had the highest number of victims? Oh, oh, God. It's a man. <laughs> I will give you a hint that it... Is a man. <laughs> it's a man. Um, okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Hang on. I'm hanging. It's an older man. Yeah. I feel, I, I can see his face. I just can't remember his name. Hang on, hang on, hang on. It's not the BTK killer. Describe him. Old man. <laughs> Old man. <laughs> Old white man. Old white man, yeah, correct. Um... It was something like ridiculous, like 700. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. I, I can't think. I give up. No. Um, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, the most prolific modern serial killer is, and I actually mentioned the name today, it's Harold Shipman. Harold Shipman? Yeah. The British doctor who killed... It's apparently probable it was about 218, but could be as many as 250. Where did I get 700 from? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm quite curious as to who, yeah, who you had under your hat. That's it was great. Um, oh, okay. Oh, really? Yeah. I yeah. thought it would be someone like, I don't know. Yeah, well, you like... kind of think, I guess, like violent. Yes, I, that's what I was thinking. crimes rather than obviously. Under the radar. Under the radar wow. and over like many years. And this, it must, I think it was over like. 30 years or wow. whatever. But yeah, so there you go. There's your little quizlet. Tell us, guys, did you get that right? Because I certainly didn't. Yeah, give us your opinion on whether you got it right. <laughs> I know what you meant. Um, so, yeah, kicking off episode two, talking about Elizabeth Bathory. I think we did touch on this in the last episode, basically just talking about some reasons why we maybe think that the claims against her might not have been true. Yes, some things that, you know, shed some doubt Definitely. On whether she was in fact, you know, it did kill this many, this many victims. So kicking off the episode, talking about just a little bit about Elizabeth Bathory that maybe we didn't touch on the first episode. So um, most of this was found. Uh, we were looking at the um, English translation of, um, I think it was just a paper or some research called "The Life and Trial of Elizabeth Bathory." Um, Originally written, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, by Dr. Irma Zadeshsky Cardos. I apologise if I've pronounced that wrong. Um, and I found it on www.notesonhungry.wordpress.com. If you'd like to check out the source, it's very interesting, I think. I was scouring it for a while. I think it's very interesting and quite telling. So, talking a bit about Elizabeth's character. So, apparently she was said to be quite religiously tolerant never obstructing the religious freedoms of her tenants. So yes, you know, she sort of ruled with an iron fist, some might say, but 
in the care that we were talking about, you know, the women would, the sorry, the lady would care for the women and children and the men yeah. would care for the men. Um, yeah, she was quite open and, you know, let people kind of have freedom, I guess. Yes, and she was quite helpful in that respect, wasn't she? Like, I yeah. feel like she did take that quite seriously and there were cases of her actually helping the yeah. women folk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously she would invite um, young girls to the castle to train them, you know, to basically have a better life and have a prospect in their future by giving them the tools that they would need to sort of get by. Yes. And she did have a lot of hand in running things, didn't she? Obviously when her husband was away Mm. fighting in the war, Mm -hmm. like she was sort of looking after the kingdom as... Yeah, she was very involved. Very involved. Quite a strong, Mm. business savvy woman. Yeah. Boss bitch. <laughs> Boss bitch. Um, it was also said that she was very generous and she did actually, her family as well, it, as well as her personally, lent a lot of money to the king at that time. So he, I think, was, he was a bit of a broke king. Yeah. And she quite constantly lent him money. He was quite indebted to her towards yeah. the end of her life. Yeah. And yeah, he owed her a lot of money he owed her towards so it was the kind of, Yeah, in end his of her interest life. for her not to around yes it's almost like if she wasn't around he wouldn't have to pay back all of that money that he had been lent it's almost like that isn't it it is like it could smell like a motive i mean it we're starting to pick up a little (laughs) a little aroma of a little conspiracy do you smell that Ah. i smell it um she was often accused of witchcraft i'm sorry and cannibalism um one minister claimed she would turn into a black cat and stalk him at night (laughs) so (laughs) That is the go-to, though, isn't it? If a woman is strong and powerful in that time period, then witch. obviously a witch. Yeah. Like, I remember um, hearing something about them saying that her aunt was a bisexual witch that would, you know, have, like, orgies and probably probably cast spells and probably turn into cats as well. And, exactly. But and, and you just feel like, is it just, you know... An independent, sexy woman. <laughs> or is it just that we're hearing everything that a man says about her? Yeah. Could be... She doesn't fancy me, so she must be a bisexual witch that turns into a cat at night. Obviously. I mean... That's what men always say to me. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of her story as well is affected by politics. I mean, a big thing, politics at the time. You're in power. What goes down in the world of the men... <laughs> Don't know what I'm trying to say there. I just love the fact that you said politics, a big thing at the time. <laughs> Let me start that again. Let me start that again. Okay. I'm not cutting that out. That's fine. <laughs> I think a lot of the conspiracy against her was politically driven. Yes. For the prospects of the country and to gain power yes. over her family, the Bathories. Exactly. For example, so this was during the Counter-Reformation time at the time. Um, a Jesuit priest named Palatine Thurzo, remember him? Oh, yeah. Not only um, a very, very powerful man, her cousin. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, I've actually written down, her cousin, exclamation mark. <laughs> um, he apparently wrote stories and documented quite a lot about her and her exploits to try and expose the horrors of the Protestant Reformation. So he was very counter-reformation they don't like change you know nothing new but her being such an open and tolerant woman you know she was like do what you want think what you want believe what you want i don't care um she did end up marrying a protestant uh ferenc nadasdi remember him he was out fighting yeah he ended up dying you know he so yeah he was a protestant but she actually remained calvinist which people didn't know it is part of the protestant religion but she wasn't 
um, for or against any particular, you know, believe what you believe is basically her kind and of... And that's quite a, like, what's the word? Radical? Radical, that's mm. exactly the word I was thinking. But a yeah. radical viewpoint of the time, isn't it? Like, it wasn't a particularly tolerant time to different religions. Like... Yeah. Especially during a, a Reformation as well. Yeah. People was... turning Protestant and then her going, oh, okay, we'll do what you want. Yeah, exactly. That's me. quite a, yeah, a radical way of looking at things. And I can imagine that people in higher power were probably not impressed, you know, especially the fact that she's a woman. Yeah, I guess they were trying to maybe, you know, lay their sort of like smiting people for going against um, the status quo a bit. And for somebody to kind of put their foot down and say you know, let these people just kind of live their lives. They're good people. They're my people of my kingdom. They're going to do yeah. what they want. They don't like the way... No, they're probably thinking they're not God-fearing enough. Exactly. You know, they're, they're doing things different. Not having that. So let's, you know, start to think about some reasons why maybe this might have been a bit of a conspiracy theory. Yes. And we're also talking about Thurzo, mm-hmm. her cousin. Dun-dun-dun! Mm-hmm. Yeah. He... Because he was obviously someone that was quite hungry for power. As we know from the previous episode, he was sort of feeding into the king's ear, like... like Arrest li- Elizabeth! She's a witch and little kills, rat. you know, hundreds of people. So we know that he was doing that. But also, I read somewhere that he actually wanted to marry her at some point. Really? He wanted, yeah. He and she did not want to marry him. And I think that would have been a way... If he'd have married her, that would have been a way for him to get power because he would have been... Married so, to oh my god! So another incel. <laughs> like, yeah, she won't marry me. I'll take her right down. Yeah, I'll tell everyone she's a murderous witch. So yeah, it's exactly like that. Like he, yeah, he wanted to basically marry her so he could get the fortune, like the castle. Mm-hmm. When that didn't work, another way I guess that he could get the fortune because he was related to her is if she's imprisoned and can't have all of her things, who's going to inherit that? Yeah, he is our boy Thurzo. Our boy Thurzo. So we know that the trials against Elizabeth were actually deemed show trials at the time um, by legal and historical scholars who had analysed and researched the proceedings, um, I think it was in the 80s. So looking back at actually how they carried these things out. For example, nothing was done by the book. Um, There were actually no formal charges made against Elizabeth, no formal trial or summons, which were all violations of the justice system at the time. So they did have some sense of a justice system. I mean, it wasn't completely archaic where, you know, thrown in prison, off with your head. I mean, you you could if maybe you were, um, you know, a peasant. But a countess, there was a justice system to be followed even at that time. Yeah. Even in the, you know, 16th, 17th century. And none of it was followed at all. So it's completely illegal what they did. They didn't give her a fair trial. No. And I think because obviously it's looked over by the king, who owes her a lot of money, Uh and Thurzo, who wants to inherit all of her money. Those are the two people that are, you know, overseeing this trial. What could she do? Yeah. Then... It's, it's her word against a bunch of men and the king. Yeah. She had not really no, a chance. Not really a good chance Bless at all. Um, also, testimonies from various villages and towns under the reach of this priest, Thurzo, her cousin, were only taken... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> ...were only taken following an onslaught of word of mouth and gossip from the 300 reports. None could give an eyewitness account or describe in detail what they had actually seen. Exactly. It's basically, they're just like... Okay, you know, if you sign on here that you saw Elizabeth Bathory kill all these people, then we won't kill you and your family. Yeah. Or, or you know... Or we'll give you a little bit of coin or something. Some bread. Yeah, some bread. It was basically... And it was everyone in their region that they overlooked, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and no one outside that. And also, like, okay, I have a question. Mm-hmm. If 300 people have seen that the Countess is 
murdering innocents. Mm -hmm. No one's thought to, like, speak up about this? Yeah. Not just, not not even one? Not even one is, uh, sort of... uh, Okay, I know nobody's spoken about this before, but I have 300 people here that say that they saw you kill some people. Yeah. Like, it was last last week. Oh, I've yeah. got all these 300 people to sign this really quick to agree with what I, I think. Yeah. yeah. There's no way 300 <laughs> people have, you know, can give an eyewitness testimony of that. She's just inviting people into the castle <laughs> to kill in front of them. Yeah. Like, it makes zero sense. It was like a tourist attraction, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come and visit. Like the London Dungeons. Watch a murder, sign on the dotted line. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, maybe. <laughs> um... Also, at this time, it was common for... Look, we were talking about the Lord of the Land to be responsible for the well-being and the health of the men and the Lady to be responsible for that of the women and children. Um, And it was known, actually, that Elizabeth sourced a staff with a varied knowledge of medicine and remedies outside of Western Hungary. And one of these women was a Croatian midwife who was known to perform bloodletting, mm-hmm. um, which was a pra- practice not actually commonly undertaken in the local villages or the ones that she oversaw. So it is possible that these strange practices or things that they were completely foreign to them supported the story of like the Bathory family um, and Elizabeth in particular, um, that she was heading a staff of like torturers and witches. So, of course, if you hear of like, what do you mean somebody's like cutting people's skin open and like cutting boils off and stuff like that, that does sound completely torturous. Like imagine it's the 16th century you have no knowledge of the outside world or even yeah. outside your village and you hear somebody's doing something like that, like, oh, oh yeah, we also heard she's killing people. Sounds plausible to me, you know? I'd love to know that what they were actually doing for medicine in those times. I have no idea. It'll probably be like, I don't know, if anyone's seen Outlander, it's probably something ridiculous like that, isn't it? Like, oh, I'm a bit poorly, rub this leaf on my eye. Yeah. Or, or like we know, so she was suffering with epilepsy, um, grinding up the skulls, and drinking them down with the blood of the people that didn't yeah. have seizures obviously was something very normal to do at that time to hopefully deal with her epilepsy. Yeah, did well, it was, it was, and I might be wrong, but, you know, it was in Greek medicine, like, way back in the day, wasn't it, that they used to have, like, the four humours. So if you were, like, had something wrong with your blood, they'd give you more blood. If you had something wrong with your, like, was it phlegm, they'd give you more phlegm and try to balance uh, out yeah. your humours. So, you know, medicine back in the day was a bit... Probably unusual to today's standards. Yeah, so it would make sense that if someone has come across, they would be trying these new things, and people would think, "What is going on there?" And even I'm used to the leeches. Yeah, I don't want to cut and drain my blood. Things that you're using made of metal, you know. So even two or three hundred years later, I think the Victorians even believed that if you had some kind of malady, that the opposite would help. Yeah. So yeah, if you had like I don't know something wrong with your head, then it would be like. I'll give you another head. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like... Uh, what but like, do your feet too, or something. Too much blood? Take blood out. Yeah. Something like Not that. Not enough blood. Pour blood in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Over the top up, yeah. like a Pez dispenser. But it's interesting that you say that in terms of like the... How people's opinions on like medicine through, through the ages. Because mm-hmm. I remember reading somewhere about the first, the first doctor who basically thought about washing your hands to yeah. stop the bacteria getting in when performing surgery. And when he first suggested that, everyone was like, I'm sorry, what? Bacteria? Bacteria? Germs? Oh, uh, magical germs. Which? In the body. Yeah, they thought it was absolutely ridiculous. So I think it... Yeah. yeah. I mean, bathing wasn't really something that people cared about for, you know, like getting rid of bacteria until maybe like the 18th century, I think. Maybe like the yeah. late 18th century. 
I'm not really sure when that kind of came around, yeah. probably around the time of Mr. Pasteur. Um, so really, if we look at all of the things that we were do that she was doing, so for example, um, cauterization of wounds, uh, removal of necrotic tissue, and piercing of boils and abscesses. So if you look at all of those yeah. things in terms of the witness testimonies. Um, it actually matches some of the recommended practices in medical texts of that time. Yes. So, like, okay, so there's some really infected flesh that's, like, swollen. Let's cut it off, cauterise yeah. the wound. Makes sense to a really experienced medic of that time, who maybe just happens to be a woman. They're going to go, no, 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 no. Yeah. And it explains Cutting why... Because they were saying that she used to burn that her yeah. victims, wouldn't she? But, yeah, that could be, like... Like, think about all the things against them. Okay, so so... Burning, like, they're saying burning pennies in their hands. Okay, so what if it was just, like... To cauterise a wound. Cauterise a wound, yeah. Okay, or um, what was it? Like, cutting bits of flesh off and eating it. Okay, well, what if she was cutting off necrotic tissue? Yeah. Or, like, her, you know, um, staff were, or yeah. midwives or whatever. So, I know what you're all thinking. Okay, what about the bodies? That's exactly what you were thinking, I was just thinking that. You were just going to say, okay, Ellie... Where are the bodies? What about the bodies? Because there were bodies. It's got 650 victims. Where's she stashing those bodies? Exactly. Okay, maybe she's innocent. But what about the bodies? Yeah. Well, I've got an answer for you. Here it is. The recorded deaths on Elizabeth's estate coincide with local outbreaks of the bubonic plague and typhus. In October 1610, eight young women at the castle died in the course of one week, all showing symptoms of an epi epidemic disease. Apparently Elizabeth had been travelling at the time of their deaths and the girls had been cared for by one of Elizabeth's staff named Dora. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, at this time, people were well aware of the rumours and for fear of further incrimination against Elizabeth, the deaths of the young girls were not notified to her and the bodies were buried in different spots around the estate. The deaths would later be used by Thurzo as an excuse to arrest the Countess without formal charges. So there's bodies being buried without her knowledge in her estate, yeah. Then used against her. Yeah. Can you imagine how that must be for her to like? Yeah. Have absolutely no idea what's going on. Yeah, expecting not to find a body and then being like, "Well, what is this? What are these eight girls doing right yeah. here then, all together?" But mean, as you say, it does make sense. Like the bubonic plague killed a third of Europe. Yeah. So it would make sense that that is something that would have yeah that could take off like a whole it, wing of staff. It's definitely a good reason to, like, pin, like, I mean, there's a lot of deaths going on. What can we pin on her yeah. to get her, like, put in prison for the rest of her life? How about all those deaths? Bubonic plague, what's that? I've never heard of it. No, she's killing yeah. them. Yeah. No. Drinking them, killing them, eating them. Yeah. Um, also, did you know this? Surviving letters between Thurzo, her cousin, dun, dun, dun. and his wife describe the sourcing of false witnesses and the planning of the surprise arrest of Elizabeth. One of the buried bodies was found, exhumed and displayed as a fresh victim thanks to the state of preservation of the body in the cold earth. Tenants, servants and other witnesses would all condemn Bathory to life imprisonment for her torturous crimes. So, because it was all snowy outside, like we were talking about, you know, apparently yeah. people would be thrown out, covered in cold water, into the snow. Yeah. It was cold, it was hungry, you know? Worse than hungry, freezing. Um, <laughs> famously, freezing. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, you know, they're like sort of half sticking out the ground. There's an arm up. Um, they hadn't reached a state of decay where even though they, you know, they were weeks old because they died of the plague that, we, that maybe was actually the case. Yeah. Digging them up, brushing them off. 
you go, she killed this one today. She's back now. She must have done that last night. Yeah. When actually, it's weeks old. She was away. And, you know, this all... Anything that could kind of tie into the prosecution against her, they would use. Yeah. And I think Thurzo is a dirty rat for doing that. I think Thurzo is a bit of a dirty rat as well, to be honest. I mean, you don't you don't really go against your family, do you? No. Your cousin. Well, she won't marry him. That's why. <laughs> no choice, is there? No. no, it's awful. And yeah, I just... I think a lot of it is to do with the woman in power at that time. I can yeah. imagine that they were shaking in their boots, especially when the king owes her all of this money. You know, she's rejected Thurzo, I think. He wants to have all her, all of her money and be exactly. in power. Exactly. And you're right, it is interesting that he's the one that, like, led the investigation. He's the one that found her with this fresh snow-covered corpse and said it was from today. And collected all of the 300 witness statements from people that yes. were in his reach and no further. And nobody came forward about it any time earlier than that. Yeah. It coincides with the epidemic um, cases of the bubonic plague and typhus that we were talking yeah. about. It kind of matches the kind of things that you would do to treat those um, conditions at yes. that time. It's all very interesting. And I think I hadn't really thought about, before doing any research on this case, because I didn't really know anything about her. I, kind of, I had kind of heard of yes. Elizabeth Bathory being like the blood countess. And I was like... It sounds like, you know, she was a like ruthless murderer. Yeah. But actually, when you look into it, it's kind of interesting that she, maybe she actually didn't do any of this. No. I think it would very much surprise me. And I mean, it could be the case that she was a tough leader. Maybe she was, maybe even wasn't particularly nice. Maybe she did, like, beat these serving girls if they did something wrong. But the idea that this woman's killed 650, it just seems illogical yeah i just can't see how that would be like because i know we were discussing like you know people didn't want to go up against the, uh, wouldn't people of the lower class wouldn't want to go up against the countess mm. but who sending their who keeps sending their kids there for 650 yeah who who would be doing that how is she getting these people how is she getting away with it for so long yeah it it just it's illogical and if you want to do any more reading on this like i said that um the source that I talked about at the beginning, I think is really interesting. And if you want to go and watch, there's a, there's actually a couple of films about her life that I have seen. There's probably more, but the one that I had seen was called The Countess that I said that was on YouTube. It was really mm -hmm. good. Um, I'm just thinking about a scene where um, after she... So if you hadn't listened to the first episode, I was talking about how in the film she fell in love with her cousin Thurzo's son, Ishtvan, um, met him at a little party. I'm not sure how true this is, but this was in the film. Fell in love with him at first sight. Daniel Brühl looking all sexy in his, like, <laughs> I don't know, what's it called? Smock. Yeah, smock. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a little bit more Tudor. Maybe codpiece. Looking at that codpiece, <laughs> like, in, like in his package. Whatever. <laughs> oh, no, I can't have him. Some other guy comes along at the party. She doesn't really like him. He's kind of a, kind of a nobody, and he's kind of weird. Um, apparently, he has a thing for, like, BDSM and being, like, hip. I really wasn't expecting that. Okay, yeah, okay. and he's like, try it. Just like whack me around the face a little bit and like slap me and like whip my back. And then how funny that he's then in a room with Thurzo. Look what she did to me. This crazy woman <sighs> keeps whipping me. I, I don't feel safe around her anymore. You've got to help me. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And also, if it is true about the fact that Thurzo... Um, originally wanted to marry Elizabeth because he wanted to steal all the money. It must really piss him off that she's got the hots for his son. 
Yeah. <laughs> Skipping a generation, isn't it? Come on, mummy, when are you marrying me? I want the money. I don't even have the money. And that might be why I sent him away. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Like, if I can't have her, no one can. Yeah, Off you go. Exactly. It's, it, it is, I think the thing with Elizabeth Bathory is it is very reminiscent of the witch trials, isn't it? Mm. It is men saying that strong women have done this and mm-hmm. no matter what, they can't prove themselves innocent. It's mm. like, well, okay, look at all of this evidence. And the evidence always makes no sense. Yeah. It's like, you know, if, if we throw you in the lake and you float, then you're a witch. And if you drown and die, then you're all right. Like, it's, but you're dead. But you're dead. It's... I mean, I still have that kind of fear to this day. I don't know whether you have that kind of fear that if somebody says I'm... Or say, okay, I have this nightmare that I'm like locked in an asylum. And mm-hmm. I say, it's kind of like if you've watched ever watched American Horror Story Asylum. I have. That, you know, you're in there and it doesn't matter how fervently you say I'm not insane or I don't belong here. It's you're you're sounding more insane. Yes, it's so exactly that. There's nothing more that you that she could have done. Say say she was innocent. Yeah. And she's saying, look, I didn't kill these people. There's nothing that she could have done to prove her innocence. Nobody around her could say, I stick up for her, because nobody powerful enough was around to yeah. corroborate her story. Everybody was against her. It's it's very true, and it's. That's interesting what you say about, like, for example, when people think you're crazy, you cannot convince them otherwise. No. Like, it doesn't matter how much you say you're not crazy, people are going to still think that. Yeah. Like, I remember there was um, an experiment. Do, do you remember that else that we did in psychology when they got the psychologist to go into a psychiatric hospital saying they heard the word thud? And mm. that's all they said during the, like, the screening with the doctors. And the doctors would um, submit them into the hospital with schizophrenia. Right. And when these psychologists who were basically doing a study tried to leave, they would not let them. Oh my God, that that is one of my worst nightmares. Yeah. And they'd be saying like, no, we're doctors, this was an experiment, you need to let me go. And they're like, sure you are. Doctor, yeah. Yeah, okay. I am too. Oh, yeah. Look at me on my white coat. Yeah. It's, a bit, it's, it's a bit Shutter it's, Islandy, isn't it? It, it is. It's, it's once you have, once you have that stigma on you, then... You're completely alone. You, you can't you can't get rid of it. Mm. And there was something really interesting that I heard on another podcast and I've forgotten what the exact phrase was, mm. but it's basically that how people, if you get en- enough people to view something as one thing, that might as well be reality, even if it's not true. Yeah. Like if, let's say, if, you know, I said that I was married to Bob. Yeah. And I tell everyone this and I've been telling everyone this for years and enough people believe it, even though it's not true. When Bob says, no, we're not, everyone's going to be like, yes, you are. Yeah. It might as well be that reality. Because what is reality without people seeing and believing it? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's you could, you, we're getting a bit philo- philosophical now, but something yeah, is only something if you can see it, smell it, touch it, feel it. Yeah. And all of that. Taste it. Taste yeah. it. If it's not those things... Who's to say it's real? Exactly. If a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to see it, does it fall? It's like that thing that you were telling me about that story. Um, when you listening to a podcast where somebody was a special guest and it was a woman who um, went on a date with a man, I think back in the 50s, and um, he kind of convinced his friends that they were going to get married or something. Exa- that's exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, oh, it's a really good podcast, actually. I have to remember what that's called and I'll leave a comment for you guys so you can yeah, check, it out. check it out but yeah basically because he was telling everyone this and that she didn't know what to do it basically was like they were married and she had no way to get away from him yeah 
she didn't have a car, she didn't have any no. money, she didn't have obviously a phone at that time. Um, everybody believed that they were going to get married. She had been on like, what was this, their like, first or second date or something like that? First, yeah. First date. Um, and so she had no way of getting out of there. She could say what she wanted to these people around her, but everybody, everybody believed that they were together, they were getting married. So it almost became... Basically, yeah, that True. they were married, yeah, and because so, that's what everyone thinks. And what must be going through your mind if you're that person at that point is like, oh my god, is this going to be my future now? Like, I'm re- like resigned to the fact that I'm going to marry this man I don't even know because that is almost truth. Yes, it's my worst fear. Is like mm-hmm. it is as you say. It's like those nightmares where you're trying to explain something and everyone's like, and no one believes you, yeah. and you're just trying to explain yourself, and you know you're right, but no one else does, and it is, and you know, it's it's really sad that obviously Elizabeth. Matthew was living that. Yeah. I like being locked in that room for three years and just knowing Yeah. You've done nothing wrong. It must drive you to insanity. You yes, it it really it really would. Mm. Yeah. And I really hope I don't know. I don't know whether it's worse to hope that, that it's not true or hope, hope to worse sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, try again. I don't know whether it's worse to hope that it was true. Or worse, to hope that it wasn't yeah. for her sake or the sake of the people that maybe did die at her hand. Yeah. But it just seems like a really tragic story if it's not true that, that she was so persecuted for something she didn't do. I just can't see it being true. Yeah. I just... There's too much to say that she didn't do it. And all yeah. of the things to say that she did is all hearsay. Because exactly. we, have, we have no evidence. I mean, this was hundreds of years ago to say who these people were that died and what they died of. Yeah. Because it's all sort of secret and under lock and yeah. key and the sources are I mean in terms old. of like things like Jack the Ripper mm-hmm. obviously you have names of victims you know that those people died with Elizabeth Bathory it's it is a legend really isn't it, it? Is, yeah. there's no solid facts that determine that she did these things the things that we have that are surviving like I say are the letters between yeah. I think there's some letters from um yeah Thurzo and some letters between oh yeah yeah it's between Thurzo and his wife are surviving and like I say go and have a look at this um web page documentary film poster book <laughs> um tableau essay essay what I'm sorry guys I'm having real like brain fog at the moment trying to think of normal words it's the it's the after effects of covid it is um okay where was I? Go and have a look at the source I was talking about. Which is a... An essay. An essay. <laughs> Jeez. Um, and is obviously from a doctor and has a lot of important sources on it that are credible, talking about how there is surviving material between Thurzo and his wife, letters written by him saying about that they were going to do a surprise visit to her, um, that they were planning to plant witnesses. Like, that, that is actual tangible evidence. I don't know where they are. <laughs> but I believe it. Yeah. No, I'm I, with be- you. I believe she's innocent. I would like to know what you all think. Yes. Do you think that Elizabeth Bathory is guilty or innocent? Please let us know. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. I think this has been one of my favourite episodes to, like, investigate. Yeah, I've really enjoyed this. Yeah. Oh, my God, we're having such a fun time. Thanks for thanks for joining. Like, I, love, I love these nights. Oh. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode. We'd absolutely love to hear your opinion on Elizabeth Bathory, whether you think she's innocent, whether you think she's guilty. Also, 
if you want to give us some feedback, that'd be great. I mean, we can take a little bit of constructive criticism, but mostly positive reviews. As I said before, very sensitive souls. Yeah, um, what you can do is, <laughs> here's what you can do. You can what can they do, Ellie? Tell what can they do? me. You can contact us on Twitter. Very formal. I would like to see dear miss and miss. <laughs> <laughs> or yours sincerely, kind regards, etc. Okay. Also, you can give us a five star rating on Good Pods because that's what we want to see. Um, Podbean Potty, and also Apple Pods, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spotify Anchor, anywhere you get your podcasts, we'll be there. We'll be there for you. Can't get away from us. As the Jackson said, I'll be there for you. <laughs> All right. See you next time. Bye. Bye.